Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is back and better than ever. Greeny, I have a tweet here from Tanner B. Hoops, who tweets, my aunt got married on the Sunday of Super Bowl 51. I finished just in time to see the Patriots come back. I appreciate it, Tanner B. Hoops. I brought that up because they said, you know, we all cordon off Super Bowl Sunday. The Super Bowl is scheduled to be played February 7th next year. No plans made on February 7th. No one's scheduling their wedding for February 7th. But don't be so sure this isn't the year that that winds up getting changed. With the news out of Atlanta today, the facility closed, positive test. This is just going to keep happening. And I talked to Shefty about it about a half hour ago. And we, we both have the same basic view of it, which is that the idea of just reshuffling games around and moving them around and rescheduling them, once we get to week 11, 12, 13, that's just going to become much more difficult to do. And flexibility is going to go from moving teams by weeks around to probably extending the end of the season. One week, maybe two, who knows? So it is not inconceivable to me that they wind up playing the Super Bowl on a different day. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. I turn to the Shell Pennzoil performance line now and find the great Lewis Riddick, who is with me here. Um, and Lewis, the, the first thing I wanted to ask you about here, having had a chance to chat with you this morning a little, is, you know, you played for Nick Saban in the NFL. He was your defensive coordinator when you were playing in Cleveland. And the idea that he can't be there with his team on Saturday, first and foremost, we, we wish him a speedy recovery. We have no reason to believe that he is, he is asymptomatic at this point. We have no reason to believe anything bad is going to happen to him. So with that thought in mind, assuming he is fine, David Pollock and I were trying to imagine what it must be like to watch that game Saturday night on television with him in his living room. Having played for him, what would you imagine that scene would be like? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I would imagine that he, won. he wouldn't let you watch it with him, number one. This guy is as intense as I mean. You see him how he is on the sideline. You see how he constantly is pacing. He's not. He, he, he's never standing still. That's how he was when he coached in practice. He was a guy who used to have this habit of this of when he did stand still, he would just rock back and forth, front leg, back leg, front leg, back, and he just never he just never stood still. So I can only imagine whatever whatever room he would have to watch it in in his house is just going to get worn out because <laughs> he'll be pacing like he would on the on the sideline. He is as meticulous as as and as detailed, and I, and I don't say that you know just haphazardly. He is as meticulous and as detailed as any coach that I ever played for, and I played for him and Bill Belichick at the same time, and he and Bill were on par with one another during that time. And as you see the success that they've had now, I mean, it's, it, it's no shock. It's got to be eating him up inside that a guy who, like I mentioned before, Greeny is so process-driven. He really does believe in just taking care of the details and then the score, as Bill Walsh would say, will take care of itself. And I'm sure that's how he was approaching handling this pandemic and handling all the protocols and testing that you know every sports team is having to implement in order to try and combat this. And for him to be the one who this virus winds up catching up to, it's got to be just it's got to be just eating him alive. And then what that could mean for the rest of his team until they find out how the rest of the test turned out. So it's um wow. I mean that that's a, it's a huge piece of news to kind of digest between now and Saturday and see. You know what? How this all plays out for him and for his team overall, because although it's not realistic, it's not realistic to think that this virus can't get anybody. It's it, 
it really was one of those things that were, I'm, I'm sure was in all of our heads that if, if it's not going to get anybody, it's not going to get Nick. Mm. And it did, which is a wake-up call for sure. You know, Lewis, I've never had a chance to ask you this. We've talked about Belichick and Saban so many times, but I've never thought to ask you this. When you played for them, did you, did you, again, you weren't a kid. You were a man at this point. It's one thing to play for Saban as a, you know, a 19-year-old kid and you were an adult sure. when you played for them. But even so, like, when you're playing for Nick and Bill, do, do you love them or do you hate them? <laughs> That's a great question, man. My experience, yeah. truth be told, in the beginning, I hated them. In the beginning. Because I had never been subjected to that kind of pressure. I had never been subjected to that, to that kind of ridicule. To that, to be, I'd never been held to that kind of standard in a way that, like, they gave you no margin for error. None. Zero. None. In any way. And so I wasn't used to that. And a lot of people aren't used to that when they first get around those two. But then you know what happens is when you, when you prove your competency and your commitment to the way they want to do things, it's funny, the ridicule comes different. Now, it's still, it's still sharp. It still stings. They can still get on you in a way that not many coaches can. But the praise comes more frequent, too. The, the, the singling you out for praise becomes more frequent. And I'll tell you what, as a, as a player and as someone who, you know, all players have a big ego, they, they want that. They need that as much as they need the ridicule, or rather as much as they get the ridicule. And so when I remember a day when, you know, Nick told me that my, my role was increasing on defense. And honestly, God, I didn't even think he was talking to me when he first said it because we were all stretching before practice. And he walked, used to walk up and down the stretch lines and just talk to guys. And when he said it to me, he didn't, he didn't even say my name. He just said 4-2. That was my number, 42. He said, 4-2, you're up this week in, you know, in, in sub-packages. This is what you're going to be doing. And I was like looking around like, you talking to me? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I got it. And from that point on, it was almost like I had passed his test. And I didn't break. I didn't crumble. I didn't shrink under the pressure that he puts you under. And to this day, he's a guy who I know I can call and I'll get a call back within minutes hours you know based upon what depending upon what he's doing and i'll tell you this as i've told many people if i ever had a chance to be in a position to try and hire a coach he'd be one of the first calls i'd make because he's that good he's that special as far as being a leader and that's why this is such big news and why it could really be something to watch if he's not able to be on the sideline with his football team Lewis Riddick with me. That's a great story. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Lewis now, of course, doing the games on Monday Night Football so well. And this week is a really interesting game. Dallas, Arizona. Can't count how many points I would expect to be scored in this yeah. game, um, assuming if Dak were playing. But we all know it's yeah. different. So, so my question to you becomes, what do we expect that offense to look like with Dalton in place of Dak? I think, Greeny, the, the reason why they signed Andy Dalton is, is so there wasn't going to be much of a drop-off in terms of how they could attack if he did happen to play, if something did unfortunately happen to Dak like it did. Now, he's not the same scrambler, runner, 
you know, that kind of guy. When when you, if you were to run some kind of RPO, he's not the kind of guy you want you want doing that. And quite honestly, Dak isn't either. Dak is a really is a damn good pocket passer who can move outside the. And Dak can do it all. I mean, he's a franchise quarterback. But I think getting back to what you're saying. Everything will be at their disposal as far as throwing the football is concerned. Andy, Andy can do all those things, and he's proven he can do it, do it at a high level. So I think the offense still, first and foremost, though, will run through Zeke Elliott. If, if you, people have been able to watch him closely, Zeke Elliott has been snatching people's souls out of their chest with the way he has been running in terms of his physicality and the way he's been blocking and pass protection. I mean, it is vicious. So it'll start with him. The, they have that three-headed monster wide receiver with Amari Gallup and, um, and C.D. Lamb, and that will give the Cardinals fits. And they were without their best pass rusher in Chandler Jones, so I think they'll put up points, just like I think Kyler will put up points against what not arguably is the worst defense in the NFL in the Dallas Cowboys. So you're right. I, I, I think both of these teams will go well over 30 points, and it'll be a scoring fest, and that's what fans like, and I think that's what they're going to get. I've got to find the, the over-under on that game. Someone get me the over-under. Just tell me in my ear. Again, Lewis Riddick is with me. That's the Monday night game, Dallas and Arizona. While you were talking, you made me think of something else. We're waiting to hear where Le'Veon Bell winds up. Um, we're hearing that Buffalo, Miami, and Kansas City are the likeliest possibilities. What I can't decide, having watched him playing for the Jets, who have just a terrible offense and a bad offensive line, and just I don't even want to dive into all that again, but I guess, it, are you able to decipher how much he has left? How, how much of, of his struggles in New York were based on things he had no control over and how much yeah. were based on what he has, whatever step he has lost, which would help us figure out how much of a difference he's going to make wherever he winds up going? What, what is your expectation? Yeah, I, I think Le'Veon is not the guy who is going to make bad offensive lines look good. He's not going to be able to be the difference in that way like like some of the very, you know, the very best of all time, like the Gale Sayers and Barry Sanders are, which, I mean, you could put basically five stiffs out there and those guys will be able to, like, prevent negative runs and create spectacular plays. He's not that guy. So I think the better the offensive line, the better the system, the more light boxes, meaning the better your passing attack, the more people have to keep two safeties back because you have a good passing attack, the better it's going to look for him. The And... And that's not to say that he's washed up by any means, but if you're a team that's going to, an offensive team that's going to face a lot of eight man boxes because you don't have a good passing attack and he's having to run into loaded boxes like that, he's, he's just going to look very ordinary. That's why I think Kansas City, for him and for them, makes the most sense. I think that's where he would look the best. I think ideally they would like to have a rotation to go for Clyde Edwards Elaire the rookie running back at LSU. I think that's what they had envisioned anyway before Damian Williams opted out of the season. And I know that's why Brett Veach, the general manager, is in on this because that's what he was planning on before the season started. And I think he'd still like to have that, which would make them even better offensively. So I think it's a combination. He needs a nice system. He still has something left. He still has things he wants to prove. And I think that would be ultimately, from a pure production standpoint and an optics standpoint, the best place for him. That would be it would be almost unfair if you put him in Kansas City and yeah. he was still as good as he was before. Just quickly, in case people listening were interested, fifty five. Did you say fifty five and a half, Bubba, or just fifty five is the over fifty five is the over under for Dallas, Arizona? Quickly, um, Lewis, before I let you go, and I always appreciate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved I loved your reaction this morning when I asked you 
after we showed the stiff arm that Derrick Henry had on uh, Josh Norman, I asked you if that had ever happened to you, and, and you very definitively and quickly said no. Um, can you give everyone a sense of what, like after that happens to you, if you're Josh Norman and now you're in film the next day, like what is that experience like? Green, I can tell you that experience starts as you're in midair getting stiff arms, <laughs> okay? Because what's going through your head is, oh, my God. <laughs> Film session tomorrow is going to be hell for me. I, I promise you, it is. I, I've been in that situation where like, you have a play where it's not good, and you're thinking, what are the boys going to say to me tomorrow? What is the coach going to say to me tomorrow? You know, and, and for Josh, as good as he is, and as much as I've respected Josh Norman all the way back to his days in Carolina, I know he was thinking, hey, I, got, I just got, God. Um, you know, so it is, it is something that goes through your head. And when, you know, once the, you know, the sting of the loss wears off and you guys, you know, and you're, and you're moving on, and when you get into that film room, it, it, uh, let's put it this way, it would be even funnier had they, had they won the game. Because if you win, then everybody's in a good mood. I'm telling you, he would have caught it like he, like he, he would have been joked on for days had they won the game. Now that they lost, I'm sure Sean McDermott was ticked off. It may not be as bad, but I promise you this. Inside the DB room, the defensive back room, when they watch that film alone together, Josh is going to be on. To, they're going to have some jokes for Josh for days. <laughs> I remember those days. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I miss the most, man. I miss that the most because Deion Sanders, who I played with in Atlanta, was one of the very best at getting on people for that kind of stuff. And we used to just howl laughing every Monday whenever that happened. Lewis, you're the best. We'll be watching you on Monday night as always. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you. Right, that's Lewis Riddick. So much fun. On the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. Gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. So, so much to unpack from that conversation. Um, and if I could just circle back quickly to his game, Dallas, Arizona. You know, I, I'm, I'm afraid of how many points Arizona might score on that defense. And the Giants scored 30 points on that defense and had two touchdowns called back. The Giants defense is, excuse me, Giants offense is probably about as bad as any in the NFL. And Arizona, when they get rolling, can be about as explosive as any team in the NFL. So 55 is the over-under. I mean, Arizona could approach that all by themselves. And then the question is, how explosive is Dallas with Andy Dalton? You just heard Lewis tell you he thinks that they will... They won't change a lot of what they do, and they believe Dalton can throw it around the yard the way that Prescott can, and he probably can. I mean, Andy Dalton is certainly, as backup quarterback situations go, I don't think there's a better one in the NFL. So we'll see. It shapes up to be a pretty interesting and pretty important game that we have coming up for you on, on Monday night between those two. And again, if everything goes right, there'll be another Monday night game this week as well, Buffalo, Kansas City. So it's a really fascinating NFL season to follow. Um, let me quickly uh, tell you again, for those of you just joining us, Daryl Morey is no longer the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Um, they are, there are reports all over the place that it was his decision to step down. I have not heard from him. I sent him a note. I, I do know Daryl. He's a Northwestern guy, as I am. Um, he's a really good guy. He's a really smart guy. Um, he, is, he, was, he is now known for quite a few things, obviously, in Houston. The first of them was he was... If not the first, I think the most prominent high-level executive to fully embrace analytics in basketball. And that is now obviously a huge driving factor in basketball and all sports. 
and uh, you can either credit him or blame him, depending on how you feel about analytics, for that. And and then I mentioned obviously you can't you can't separate thinking of him from the the tweet he had about Hong Kong this year, which set off so much conversation. And and then, but I I wanted to read you this tweet that I saw from our Bobby Marks because I had forgotten to say it when I commented on him the first time. And shame on me, because I think this is an important thing to point out. Bobby Marks tweeted, What will I remember about the tenure of Daryl Morey in Houston? How about when a lot of teams decided to punt on free agency and trades to take a shot at Golden State, and he went full steam ahead? Amen, Bobby. I'm really glad you said that. When the whole league gave up, when Golden State got Kevin Durant, it was like the entire league said, You know what? We can't beat them. Let's start planning for three years down the road. And God bless him, the one guy who went right after them, who doubled down, who made trades and brought in pieces instead of just trying to find some way to, to muddle through and, and wait until you had a chance to compete again, was Daryl in Houston. And I remember talking about it at the time, and I'm really glad Bobby's tweet reminded me of that because I hadn't thought of it, and, and I'm upset with myself that I didn't. Because that is something that I give him a lot of credit for, and I always have. He's an excellent general manager. I don't think we've seen the last of him. Um, I think you know, he's a young man. He's young, well, well younger than I am. He was way behind me in school. So I think he has, um, there will be another act for him, another chapter for Daryl Morey somewhere in the NFL, and we'll see where that is. In the meantime, while I was talking with uh, Lewis Riddick, I got an email from Nuno, our producer here, who tells me, Georgia, Alabama, the line has moved at Caesars surrounding Nick Saban's positive coronavirus test. The current line is Alabama minus four. The way this moved, the, yesterday in the morning, I'm trying to see if I'm reading this correctly, at 5.43 Eastern, when the initial wire with news that Saban had tested positive came out, at 5.53, Alabama was minus five. At six o'clock, they went to minus four. It had been minus six before the news came out, and now it's four, minus four. Alabama's a four-point favorite. So essentially what, he's, what they're telling you is Nick Saban is worth two points at Caesars. That's interesting. Um, you know, Nick Saban, according to the rules, if you're with me at the beginning of the show, Heather Dinich told us on Get Up this morning, the rules are that not only can't Saban be there to coach his team, but he cannot have any communication no Zoom, no phone, no nothing, starting 90 minutes before the game begins. Tough to picture that being the way this thing goes, but that's the rule, and I wouldn't suggest that Nick will, um, will break the rule. It's going to be tough on him. First, we need to see all the tests come back negative today so that we know for sure that none of the players have tested positive from being around him. We'll see if that's the way it goes, and we hope that the game gets played. And the reality is this is and was always going to be the reality of pro and college football in 2020. There are going to be these moments where you stop and you say to yourself, can they go on? Can you play a game if Nick Saban has the coronavirus? And the answer is yes. Absolutely yes. When baseball first came back, first week of August or thereabouts, I remember when all these um, games started getting postponed as it turned out i use i probably used the word canceled at the time but that was incorrect i remember saying on the air and thinking to myself for sure they're never going to get through this there's no way in hell they're going to make it and they just did they just kept going and so i believe that's what college football will do and i believe that's what the nfl will do and if you're asking me do i think they will get to the finish line in both sports the answer is yes 
Do I think there's a possibility that some games will not get played? That Do I know that every team in the NFL will play 16 games? No, I don't. Do I know that the Big Ten, which starts next weekend, will be able to sandwich 10 games in in 10 weeks? I certainly don't know that. But I think everyone will get in some semblance of representative seasons. At least I hope so. I'm knocking on this little wooden desk that I have here. I hope that's what happens. And we will see. We'll start to find out tomorrow night or Saturday night is a big one. I'll remind you again, if you miss any of our program here, I'm with you two hours every single day. You can find both hours posted every single day as a podcast. Hashtag Greenie is the name of the podcast, and it is available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Coming up, a trade that I think could happen that would absolutely change everything in the NFL. That's next. This is Greenie on ESPN Radio. Greenie, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. You will never hear Mike Greenberg angrier than talking about the New York Jets. The Jets are more than just a bad team. They are truly a laughingstock and a circus. He described the signing of Levy Bell as if it was the greatest day of his life. You guys, you'll never learn. <laughs> as a lifelong fan, I was sitting upstairs at Chase Stadium with my dad on a windy, freezing cold December day. And my dad said to me as people were walking out of the stadium, Michael, a real fan stays till the end. You will never learn. So I'm with him to the end. You need to quit that addiction. It's very bad for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, my friends Lebetsard and Stu Gotts, with their thoughts on on this shared disease of Stu's and mine, are rooting for this woebegone franchise. Uh, I love those guys. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, and here's what I would say to Dan, and, and I, he knows this: that you know, it's sort of like family, which is that you can hate members of your family, but you still love them. Like you don't have to like them to love them. It, it doesn't go away. Like, no matter how angry you get at them, it's not most people that come into your life, if you decide either you hate them or you are just so angry at them you can't even speak, you can just cut them out of your life. You just X them out. That's a relationship that is now over, and you move on. That is, generally speaking, something you can do, except with family. With family, you, you almost never do that. I suppose there are exceptions that people have estrangements and stuff, but by and large, you will put up with almost anything and remain a member of the family with people. And that's kind of what this fandom is. Like, I can't do anything about it. I, I wonder if most people can do that. You know, that we were just, Nuno and I were just talking about what, what theme do we want to do for phone calls in about 15 minutes. That's not a bad theme. Like, have you ever given up on a team? I mean, literally given up. It's one thing to figuratively give up. Yeah, I give up on the, on the Jets. I mean, they're going to stink this year no matter what else happens and probably for the rest of my life. 
But I mean like literally give up, like change allegiance, stop paying attention, stop going to the game, stop watching the game, stop caring. Have you ever done that in your life? I can't fathom doing it. You know, when I worked in Chicago all those years, there were a lot of fans when the the Cubs at that time were really bad. When I was there, the Cubs were really bad. The years I covered a, a little baseball, when I covered sports in Chicago, I covered mostly football and basketball, but I covered a little baseball. And the White Sox were really good. Th- those were the Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura, Jack McDowell White Sox teams. They won the division one year I was there. Um, the Cubs were really bad. And there was all this talk that the Cubs, there was no pressure on the organization to succeed because based on how awesome the ballpark is and what a great experience the neighborhood at Wrigleyville is and everything else, that people would just go to the games. And if the stands are filled with fans, whether you win or lose, then what are you worried about? So that was a, a constant theme of conversation was, is the best thing you can do as a fan to stop going to the games? We used to talk about that on the talk shows. I'm talking about in the early 90s now. And my take was always, why would you do that to yourself? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. If, if, if you get enjoyment out of going to these games, then you should go to the games. They should have enough pride and professionalism to want to win on their own. But I couldn't argue with the logic of it. So that could be an interesting theme for phone calls. So let's do that. I'm going to take them in about 12 minutes or so. So if you want to start lining them up, 888-SAY-ESPN, you can jump in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Have you ever or would you ever just completely quit on your team? I mean, literally stop caring. Force yourself to stop paying attention, not watch the games. Worst of all, change allegiance. It's impossible for me to picture. I just can't. I can't fathom doing it. Anyway, um, always good to hear from Dan and, and Stu, and, uh, and, and that's fun. Look, I mean, Stu Gatz and I have had these conversations both on and off the air a million times. Meanwhile, speaking of the Jets, th- that was what I was talking about when I said there's a trade that I think actually might happen or could happen that would change a lot of things. Bill Barnwell did his column on trades that he thinks should happen between now and the deadline. The deadline is November it's actually November 3rd. It's election day um, this year. And so that's it's, it's two and a half weeks away. And he points out that there were some big deals made last year, not actually on deadline day, but leading up to it. Jalen Ramsey got traded, Mohamed Sadu, Emmanuel Sanders, Marcus Peters. There were a bunch of big deals that were made leading up to the trade deadline. So he's got some suggestions of some deals that he thinks should or could happen. He has the Eagles trading Zach Ertz to the Cardinals. Um, Here's the Broncos trading Justin Simmons to the Cowboys. And then, of course, the one that made me stop. He has the Jets trading Sam Darnold to the Colts for second and third round picks. And here's what he writes. He writes, our analytics, the ESPN Football Power Index, thinks there's a 50% chance the Jets will be 0-8 on the morning of November 3rd. FPI also thinks the Jets already have a 42% chance of finishing with the first overall pick after their 0-5 start. Three or more losses would surely push their prospects of winning the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes well past the 50% mark. If the Jets have the top pick, as much as we can talk about how Darnold hasn't been given a fair shake, there's little chance of the Jets picking up his fifth-year option and turning down their shot at Lawrence. I I do agree with that. I'm not saying it's what I would do, but I agree it's what would happen. And I will just say this to all of my friends in Indianapolis. I have, I have spent wonderful times in Indy. Super Bowl there was fabulous. Used to go for the Indy 500 all the time. Love the steakhouse. <laughs> Shrimp cocktail. I'm all in. 
So I like Indianapolis very much. And to all my friends in Indianapolis, let me tell you, that would be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Now, I I remain a Jacoby Brissett fan. I don't know that Jacoby Brissett can't do it. But what I'm really positive of is that if you put Sam Darnold in a place where Frank Reich was the coach and you give Reich a full offseason, that offensive staff to work with him, I am convinced that Sam Darnold will become a great quarterback. And oh, by the way, he's still, I think he's 24 years old. He's, a, he's incredibly young. He left two years of college on the table. So he's young. And he is ridiculously talented. So I think that if the Jets are going to trade him, which again is not what I want to happen, but if they are, I would love to see them get a lot more than a two and a three for him. If you're Indianapolis, I would do that so fast. I, I don't even know where the conversation would, I don't know. I, there were no words to describe how quickly I would race to the phone to make that deal if I'm the Colts. And you get you that defense and some of those weapons, and you give them, you give Sam Darnold that team, next year, they're the team to beat in that division. Next year. I think that would be a phenomenal trade for them. So I hope the Jets don't do it, but if that's what winds up happening... I think that one would be, it would be fantastic for the Colts, and it would frankly be the best thing that could happen to Sam Darnold. By the way, he also has Washington in here trading Dwayne Haskins to the Steelers for Justin Lane and a fourth-round pick. Dwayne Haskins is another one who has, his situation has actually been even worse, way worse than Darnold's. And um, Haskins is a guy who I loved, if you listen to me, you, you watch Get Up, you know that I loved Haskins in college. He had the single best season I ever saw a quarterback have in the Big Ten. And I still believe in his talent, and I believe in his personality. He's got a big personality. He's super smart. I think he could be a great player. He never had a chance in Washington, and I think he was always going to be a player based on how little college experience he had. All of the evaluators said, this is a guy that it would probably benefit to sit and watch for a little while before he gets the ball. And the situation in Washington is so dysfunctional on the field, upstairs, everywhere, that getting out of there, that seems like a foregone conclusion, he's going to be out of there. And getting to the right place like the Steelers, where he could sit behind Ben for a year or two with that outstanding coaching and really good offensive skill position talent and a defense-based team and just the most stable organization in the sport, that, I think, would be the best thing that could happen to Haskins. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. More young quarterbacks in the NFL are ruined than developed. So Washington is ruining, has done everything it can to ruin Dwayne Haskins. If he goes to Pittsburgh, I give him a chance to resurrect it. The Jets have done everything humanly possible to ruin Sam Darnold. If he winds up in Indianapolis, I give him an excellent chance to be great. By the way, speaking of my buddy Dan Lebetard, for a chance to win ten grand plus a virtual meet and greet with Dan and the entire gang from the show, you can text Lebetard to 77333. Advance your auto at Advance Auto Parts. Limit one entry per day. See AdvanceAutoParts.com for details. All right, let's do it. 888-SAY-ESPN. Have you ever or could you ever completely abandon the team you root for? And if so, what would make that happen? Let's hear from you. We'll do that next. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, Greeny with you, and I'm coming to the phones here in just a second. The Dr. Pepper call in line with the question, what could make you cash in your fandom? But I did see this tweet out of Houston on January 12, 2020, looking at the three teams in that city. The Astros' general manager was Jeff Luno. Their manager was A.J. Hinch. The Rockets' general manager was Daryl Morey. The head coach was Mike D'Antoni. The Texans' head coach and general manager were both Bill O'Brien, and all of them are now gone. So that was January. This is October. They're all now gone. That's a tweet from Sean Pendergast in Houston. And, and the interesting part is they're all good teams. The Rockets are good. The Texans, they, they aren't good right now, but they were in the playoffs at the time. And the Astros, of course, well, we all know what happened with them. So it's just an interesting little note. Anyway, I'm coming to the phones here. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. We sort of arrived at this organically. If you were with us a little earlier, Dan Lebetard was sort of mocking Stu Gotts and me for not being able to sort of move away from our fandom of the Jets because it caused us, causes us so much angst. And I was making the point, there are some things you can't get rid of. It's like family. Like, you don't, you don't turn your back on that. You don't, you don't just pretend it's not there, no matter how angry it makes you, no matter how much angst it creates. That's the difference between family and friends. And the team becomes sort of like that. So I'm asking you, if you are a fan, or, or would you either, have you ever actually just divorced yourself from a team, just stopped caring, or could you, and if so, under what circumstances? 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. Justin, you're up first. Justin, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Let's hear your story. Hey, Mike, great to hear you. Uh, listen, uh, I'm, I'm just, 20 years is, I've been waiting for the Knicks to do something. You know, as a fan, uh, they haven't done a thing to, uh, to keep me interested, even in the game of basketball. I probably won't watch the NBA Finals at all this year. Um, and I just feel like the only thing that would keep me from, you know, totally giving up on the team is them moving away. And a fan base with the Garden, they're always going to sell out every single game. So what do you do as a fan? And uh, I just got back from moving from OKC. I went to a few games out there. I can't get into it like I would the Knicks. And yet, as a fan for 20 years, I've been waiting. I'm now in my middle age. 
And am I ever going to see the facts that the Knicks will be in contention again? Probably not. I mean, the reality is you probably won't. And you probably won't stop caring. You know, what, what makes me sad, in all honesty, because I'm, I'm 53. I grew up in New York. I grew up a crazy Knicks fan. I could tell you stories all day long about games I went to going, growing up as a kid. My son, Stephen, is 17 years old has grown up in the New York, outside of New York City, in, in suburban Connecticut his whole life, is a crazy basketball fan and, a, and has played basketball since he was in third grade and does not care about the Knicks at all, at all, because the Knicks have never in his lifetime been relevant. And he is a member of a generation where I think they care more about individual players. He pays attention to Steph and he pays attention to LeBron and he pays attention to the players and they change teams all the time. And these kids, they, start, they root for different teams. So he has never had a rooting interest in the Knicks. That would break my father's heart if he was here to see it. So I, look, that's another one that I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I don't even watch the games for the most part because they're unwatchable. But I continue to hope that they'll come back and give you some reason to pay attention. We'll see. Jared, you're next up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Go ahead, Jared. Tell me your story. Would you or have you ever given up on a team? Hi, Greeny. So I kind of have a two-part deal, I guess. So... When I was a kid, I kind of liked the Cowboys and the Bills. I liked the Bills because they had certain players. But when I lived in Hawaii, I was at the Pro Bowl, and I saw Jim Kelly, and I went to go get his autograph, and he told me to go F myself, kid. (laughs) (laughs) So from that moment, screw the Bills. I was just a Cowboys fan. But then (laughs) when the Cowboys picked up Terrell Owens, it was hard for me to be a fan. For I still was. Don't get me wrong. I didn't get rid of him. But – because when he was a Frisco and he stood on our star and disrespected Dallas like that, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to root for him and the Cowboys because of that fact. Okay, I get it. For, uh, that, that, the, the first, to the first part of your story, I, I'm not in any way questioning your honesty. I'm, I'm sure that everyone has had moments like that. I can tell you that I, I know Jim Kelly, and he is one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. I'm sure he'd be devastated to know that you still that you remember that and that he did that. that but, so that's, that's A. Um, B, I, so I can see that that's what happens. One of the things is if you're a fan and you don't sort of work in this as I do every day, if you have an interaction with a player or something like that, it could change your perspective because the players are so removed from you that you could decide you dislike one of them. Like a, uh, that's a good one. The cowboy fans had to sort of accept T.O. I remember I was in Chicago when Dennis Rodman came to play for the Bulls and the Bulls fans hated Dennis Rodman. He was public enemy number one based on his time in Detroit. And then they started winning and all of a sudden they loved him. So I I sort of get that part of it. I see it, but it doesn't sound like you've given up on them completely. Let's get in a couple more if we can. Alan, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Alan, what's your story? Hey, good to be with you, Greeny. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say I was a longtime Seahawks fan, still am. I went to the games every Sunday with my dad when they first came into the league in 1976 in the old Kingdome for mm-hmm. a decade, and we were horrible. You probably remember uh, Jack Patera. He was their first coach, and we just we couldn't win. We were laughable. And uh, so it's kind of – I'm on the different spectrum now. They're, they're good. They're, they're relevant, and it's kind of nice to see. But I never wavered, and, and I never will. I think you should always stay true to your team. There you go. I like, it's a good way to end it. I'd love to have taken more, but I'm going to run out of time. I do remember that. They came into the league the same year as Tampa, and um, they were on opposite conferences then. They, they flipped. The, the AFC-NFC piece of it flipped. Tampa was the really terrible team. The Buccaneers didn't win a game for a while. The Seahawks were also bad, but they got good much more quickly. And now here they are. They may very well be the best team in the league this year, and they have 
Russell Wilson, who might well be the best player. Uh, there's a good calls, and I always appreciate it. I appreciate the, the give and take here. No Thursday night football game tonight, but we've got plenty of baseball for you. I will see you back in better than ever. First thing tomorrow morning for Get Up on ESPN as we look forward to what should be a very interesting football weekend. And then I'll see you back here, same time, same place. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.